0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW, Revoid, we Prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions 18
0: plus. Live from New York, it's Radio Night
2: Live with Kevin McCullough. Wait, who? Kevin McCullough, I'm start with you. Huh? The big dog, Kevin McCullough. Who? Kevin McCullough. Uh, no.
3: Who? Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. Who?
0: Kevin McCullough? Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't and CEO of Extreme Media.
2: into a big Radio Night Live Saturday edition. We have got an enormous show tonight. Uh, Peter Navarro uh, of the Trump administration will be with us. Molly Hemingway, the, the I don't know, the, the, the constant Pulitzer winner as far as I'm concerned in terms of journalism these days. And brand new music tonight from Adele. It's gonna be huge. And we are glad to have you with us uh, tonight for a very special edition of Radio Night Live. We've got a lot to get to. So I wanna get started uh, right way welcoming you in we had a rough rough uh, go of the uh, production crew today uh uh, most of the uh, guys and none of them have covid we've we've, a bunch of us have had covid and gotten over it but nobody has covid presently but everybody's sick everybody's got colds and stuff and you know back in the covid of yesteryear nobody nobody got anything there was no flu there was no cold there's practically no cancer it was just COVID or no or no COVID? That's not the case anymore. Anyway, welcome into a very busy Saturday. Um, I I want to say something right up front, and we're going to kind of piece it out throughout the show tonight. But for those of you that are wanting to get on board and help us with our end of year. Uh, where we liberate human slaves in Sudan with Christian Solidarity International, we're pacing a little bit behind for the last couple of weeks, and I'm I'm actually a little bit concerned about this. We have 46, um, uh, 46 slaves of the 192 that have not been spoken for yet, and we are grateful to have 146 liberated, but we are still lacking uh the commitments uh, to uh help release the final 46 of the names that we have on the list and i've got an additional reason why you should give your gift tonight if you can Um, we are going to get every person that uh, frees a slave tonight it will be matched slave for slave by a private donor to csi that has stepped forward and said i just want to make sure that we get all of those um all of those young women uh, released uh, from Northern Sudan. If if you're just joining us, you don't know what this is about. Um, In the end of the Sudanese Civil War, there had been a lot of young women taken from South Sudan to Northern Sudan by the Arab Islamist uh, uh, slave traders. And at the end of the day, uh, after the war was settled and the, and the new country of South Sudan was created, those uh, women were not released. And so Christian Solidarity International has been working very diligently with uh, people in the region, authorities in the region, and we're getting uh, those released uh, one by one. Now, the the, the the reason that we need your financial help is we don't just get them released and then sent back to South Sudan where they came from. In some cases, they've been gone 15 to 20 years and it's a, quite an adjustment. But the $200 gift that we give for each slave actually lets that slave begin a brand new life it gives them food for a year it gives them uh, future crop for years it gives them she-goat it gives them uh, tips and uh, living supplies to use it gives them uh guard tools and uh you know utility tools to be able to uh your life with uh, and that she-goat is actually a form of enterprise that they can use to read goats milk and cheese and the things to help support themselves it is a real, real comprehensive program that helps these women ac come out of slavery and go back into lives of their own determination we need your help tonight 888-342-1010 888-342-1010 uh, we're going to uh at the end of the year hopefully have released 192 and ninety-two. Thirty-six of those 192 have not yet been freed and we have a matching chance tonight every slave we free tonight will be matched by a private to CSI and I want you to, to step up and help us and I just want you to know we put our money where our mouth is every one of our staff members this year have, um, have liberated more than one slave each uh, per family uh, and so I, I'm, I'm really moved by that um, and um, I want you to join us as well the McCullough family we're all in we're going to liberate 10 slaves this year. Uh, we're doing it a month at a time. Uh, that's the way some people need to do it. But it's 250 dollars per slave. If you need to break the 250 dollars up, you could do that five months of 50 dollars, or 10 months of 25 dollars, or whatever you need to do to to make it to work for your budget. Maybe two months at 125. That would be helpful. But please don't let this christmas season we, we we give the gift of freedom for these slaves uh to them for the christmas season most of them are christian their only crime was that they were christian and that's why the arab uh slave masters took them to begin with so that's the that's the goal for tonight and speaking of which um the top story of the day uh it has been reported this week of course that the president has said that he wants to give illegal aliens at this, $450,000 per family that that came into the country and may have been separated in 2018 or 2019. $450,000 per family uh, for being separated at the border in 2018 or 2019. Now, I don't know why this is being suggested, but I do know this, that $450,000 per any family that is not an American family is gonna have some hurdles to get over when it comes to the public perception. I mean, honestly, I don't understand how he can make this suggestion and then look the people of America with a straight face and say that he's doing all he can to get the families out of Afghanistan, that he's doing all he can to advance the, uh, the, the uh, trouble of the pandemic that has caused so many families to hurt so badly. I don't understand how four hundred and fifty thousand dollars of taxpayer money, given to uh, an illegal alien coming across the border um, in 2018 or 2019, I don't understand that at all. He, he, there's there's something in his thinking. Well, you know, they've been separated from their families, so they've suffered, and you know, but the U.S. didn't tell him to come. We, we didn't we didn't have them uh we didn't say come on over this is this is the best thing for you these this, these were the decisions that they made of their own volition and decided to do on their own uh merit now let me just add this if my brother-in-law who's forward active duty navy is killed in action defending his country the max that the military will pay his family for his loss is four hundred thousand dollars, and that's to someone who has given his entire life to this country. People coming across the southern border have given nothing to this country. They're just walking in, asking for whatever freebies we have. They're just—they're just coming in, saying, "Can I? Can I stay here? Can I have a job? Can I have uh, free school? Can I have uh, health care? Can I have whatever it is that they're asking for?" They're just coming across the border. There's no sacrifice. There's no commitment to the welfare of the country. Now, legal immigrants that have gone through the process have made those commitments, but considering that the, the administration is offering $450,000, 50000 more dollars to, uh, to an individual who came and says that he's separated from his family at the border, uh, this, this makes no sense to me. And when you consider that most of the victims of 9-11 who were the victims of terrorism, did not even receive that amount. I, I'm really complicated. I'm, I'm I'm really confused about how complicated this is. W- where is the Where is the common sense saying that we're going to give uh, people that that don't have a legitimate right to be here, don't have a legitimate claim to anything in America, that we're just going to give them close to a half million dollars just because they made it, Prince? I I don't. I don't I don't see the the good in this, I don't see the rationale for it and I certainly don't see the fairness as it comes to the equity being given to other Americans, many of whom have dedicated their entire lives to the welfare of this country. I think this is a bad mistake and when it came out today that these payments will even surpass the victims of 9-11's compensation. Which, on average, those families that have struggled with cancers and other things from Ground Zero and the loss on 9/11 itself, these these uh, all all of those have averaged about 200,000 per family. Where are we going to get the money to give 450,000 dollars to an illegal immigrant coming across the border, just saying, "I'm here, pay me." That doesn't that doesn't. That doesn't quantify any common sense in my in, in my book at all. Uh, so we'll have to see where that goes. But in the meantime, we can and should liberate slaves so that they can be um so that they can have a new life in their home country, in Sudan. 888 342 1010 if you want to help us tonight. Every slave we liberate will be matched by a private donor to CSI. But we need to do it tonight. 888 888- Three four two ten ten triple eight three four two ten ten. When we come back, he was in the Trump administration. Mr. Peter Navarro was an advisor to President Trump, and he's out with a brand new book called "In Trump Time: What It All Means in the Age of Fauci and Beyond." Coming back on Radio Night Live. <laughs> uh thank you so much for joining us uh, you're listening to kevin mccullough and we are very honored to have my next guest a harvard uh, phd in economics professor of uh, public policy and former member of the trump cabinet uh peter navarro who is author of the brand new book uh and and i think one that everyone in america needs to read in trump time and i love the the subtitle a journal of america's plague it uh, it feels like we went through about 15 of them actually uh, all at once <laughs> yeah. but peter navarro welcome yeah. it's good to see you
0: yeah okay great to be ready for the literati that that sub an homage to daniel defoe's uh, classic work when he did a, a a journal of the plague year in in london uh and uh, quite a plague year Uh, We had quite good good to see you again. This time I can actually see you. We were on the radio there with Johnny Katz, and uh, uh, that was a fun day.
2: Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, where we are at the end of this year. We're coming into the final quarter of the first Biden year, and I think what a lot of my listeners are concerned about, economically speaking, is what's going to happen in 2022. Now, obviously there's been a lot of change from the administration that has caused various things to happen in the culture, from public policy to executive orders. Peter, if you were to pick off the one, two, or three most important things that people need to be aware of going into the new year as an economist, what would you be advising them to be watching?
0: Well, the forecast is, is uh, very, very cloudy with with a strong chance of stagflation. Uh, stagflation is uh, something we haven't had since the 1970s. And um, it's this weird combination of, of the stag part is slow growth or recession, uh, coupled with inflation. Usually you don't get those two things at the same time. Uh, but when we have like in the 70s, uh, the perfect storm of profligate fiscal policy printing money at the fed and what we call in economics cost push exogenous food and energy price shocks that's how we got it in the 70s and we're we're kind of repeating the same thing on steroids now and the, the in trump time book i think that one of the important things about the in trump time book is, is it talks about that last year where essentially a lot of the things that are going to afflict us going forward were set in motion with with the pandemic, with the way we handled it in terms of the, the whole um, the vaccination therapeutics policy, and, and how Biden, and and particularly um, the, a man who I believe is truly evil, and I show it in the In Trump Time book, Tony Fauci, are basically taking America in, in a harsh direction. I'll give you just one little example. Sure. This whole universal vax policy, um, whether you whether you support that or not okay from a from a public health viewpoint and i will argue that it's it's a it's a wrong policy from an economic policy what it is doing now is exacerbating the worst labor market distortion and shortage i've ever seen in my my entire career as an economist i mean basically you're giving people you've got like, particularly a lot, a lot of alpha, alpha male, alpha, alpha people out there and, and like firefighting, police, Navy SEALs, trucking, pilots, and you're telling them that take this vaccine or else, right? And they're saying, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that cause I have already had the virus, I got antibodies, I don't need it, right? So the point is that when you do that, what you do is you force people onto the unemployment line at a time when we're having both a, a severe supply-side shock, so we don't want our longshoremen quitting on us, um, and uh, we're, we're also having uh, this kind of weird labor shortage, and it's like it's weird because um, you know the, 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 this by the, uh, the 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 labor shortage is is a is a function of what i call service sexual refugees i mean you're in you're in the big apple and it's probably the epicenter of the problem it's like fauci's virus basically hit this country like a neutron bomb in, in big commercial office buildings in new york now the very low occupancy rates no problem for you know the white collar folks out there and, and out there in scarsdale where, where they are like like doing their digital thing but those buildings like they had engineers they had uh they had janitors they had food carts around it they had beauticians all that urban ecosystem has been shattered and those service sector refugees don't have anywhere to go there's like 10 million people unemployed 10 million job openings never seen Hmm. that before and and like the in trump time book again it's like it's it's kind of a three-parter it's it it gets to the bottom of how we fought the pandemic and and how fauci really was 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 sand in the gears whole operation blown his hands helped create the virus Uh, the middle of the book goes to How Communist China really needs to be held accountable for the twenty trillion dollars of costs it's imposed on this country alone, and at the end, yeah, it's it's an oh wow because twenty trillion dollars, you know, in the abstract, that's about a year's worth of GDP. Okay, Mm. and in the end, Trump Time Book, I go chapter and verse like this is this is how this all adds up, and I'm in the administration in February, right, February 2020. Um, and I start a series of memos, which, which would be of great historical significance, because one of them on February 9th basically says, hey, if we start right now, we can have a vaccine in a third of the time. Okay, and I think of that by October or November, write in a memo for the president February 9th. We hit that mark, okay? Yes, we did. But, 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 what? <laughs> one of the people I had to fight all the way, ironically, is Fauci, who's now like taking credit for the vaccine and, and, and trying to stick it in six-year-olds, which is insane. And having six-year-olds getting the jab is as insane as having people who've already had the antibodies. So I'm not anti-vax. I'm one of the guys that helped the president create the vaccine. But th- these are so- these are. I mean, we are in a, a Bermuda Triangle of forces right now, uh, with arguably. No, nah, it's not even an argument. The worst president in modern history, following what I make the case for, is the best president. What is it, by the way, that you didn't like about Trump? Was it the strong economic growth, the rising wages for blue-collar Americans? Peace with North Korea, peace with Iran, cracking down on China, secure southern border, or maybe those tweets. I mean, let's let's put yeah. things in perspective right what now.
2: What I wouldn't give for a mean tweet right about yes. now, if I could have all that back. Yes. We're speaking with Peter Navarro, who uh, served the uh, president very well in the Trump era, and his new book is called In Trump Time, A Journal of America's Plague Year. Peter, um, the, uh, le- le- I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I want to sure. get into a couple of other areas. Um, my listeners tend to be very pragmatic, and they are looking for, um, I don't know, strategic thinking to help survive and get through what whatever we're going to have to endure for the next three years. Uh, you know, God forbid it goes any longer than that. Um, if someone comes up to you on the street and says, Mr. Navarro, what's your plan for how to survive financially investment wise etc
0: for the next three years what are you what are you telling them to look at boy this is really difficult again we go back to the stagflation phenomenon it's like a black swan event it's like not the norm but when you have stagflation you not only tend to have have a, a bear market in the stock market right because you got the recession part that's dragging profits down and that that's where where the market goes down but you've also got a bear market in bonds because the inflation rates and yields are going up that drives bond prices down right. so uh, right at this point in time Um, you really, we we all as Americans are running naked now.
2: Well, Peter Navarro, we don't want to be doing that. Let's talk about how we handle it when we continue. In Trump, I'm the book, Peter Navarro. Guest, it's Radio Night Live. Step into the world of power, loyalty. Our guest is peter navarro and peter is uh, talking about in trump time uh peter we were talking about uh, the, the real problems we're facing right now does your book address that
0: the whole in trump time book is dedicated to saying like let's you know let, let's focus on now what's going on right now <clears throat> let's get to the bottom of what happened in the Wuhan lab let's get to the bottom of what happened in in, on November 3rd January 6th and 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 let's get to the bottom of of this healthcare policy which is really going to kill the economy here's something really practical one of the canons the book is action 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 you must tell your congressmen and senators not vote for any more so-called stimulus that's like throwing what's very expensive gasoline right now on an inflationary fire without without substantially pushing up growth the whole focus of these bills on capitol hill are very different from what we would have done in the trump administration sure, sure our focus was buy american hire american bring jobs on shore resilient supply chains locally there position is just throw money at good money after bad and and in the meantime redistribute income from the middle class um to to, to the woke whoever that they want to want to help
2: not to mention shutting down energy supplies like the yes. uh, pipeline while giving yes. Russia advantages yes, yes, yes. of a pipeline it's just it's really insane peter navarro let me ask you you mentioned two other things that we have a lot of interest in Uh, And for the White House, and I brought this up on The Cats Show when you you joined us there, um, you authored three significant reports that detailed the uh, erroneous activity surrounding November 3rd. And I think we've largely come to the realization that while technically um, some of these things may have been done under the cover of legislative statutes that had been passed and were technically laws or legal at the time. The the uh, the w- weird nature of how it all combined to work together on November 3rd was really uh, unlike anything we've ever seen in history. And, 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 I, and I believe that the average American isn't that nuanced. They, they're not thinking about whether or not s- state legislatures technically did pass laws that allowed votes to be counted this way. They largely think that this election was stolen. Can you expound on what you deal with in Trump sure. time in terms of not only the three reports, which were very, as I said, very, very exhaustive, but uh, what you've learned since?
0: Well, the last kind of third of the book deals with a lot of those issues. is a fun chapter in it that's it, uh, Thanksgiving Day 2020. It's like right after the November 3rd election. I saw right immediately after midnight that there was some really really funky things going on there and i sure. had an idea that yeah this thing was probably stolen right but i'm working in the white house i feel the trump campaign is going to handle this like they they did with bush v gore and all of that i'm, I'm going to stay away but but as i talk about in the trump time book the trump campaign didn't they were basically incompetent in terms of addressing the challenge so comes thanksgiving it's like no turkey no football no problem, I go into my office, I got th- literally thousands of affidavits I got to go through, thousands of other pages of documents that I got to read, legal documents, and I come up with those reports. The first top line is that there was no silver bullet that the Democrats did to kill Trump. It was death by a thousand election irregularities. The, the crime, and it is a crime, occurred across six battleground states. It's Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Nevada. And um, it's true that in some cases they used legal means to, to, to basically steal election, but they did the legal means in order to count illegal votes. Right. And, and what do I mean by that? I mean, for example, um, in the cesspool of Georgia, I call it a cesspool, um, where, where we lost the Senate as well there, um, they did an illegal consent decree, which did away with signature match. Now signature match is like the lodestone of a fair election. It's like ballot comes in, you compare the signature and yeah, oh yeah, that's really the person. You do away with that, um, you do away with election integrity. So you went from a 6% rejection rate of absentee ballots in the 2016 election in Georgia, down to zero. At the same time, you were probably doubling or more the number of absentee ballots. And that margin of victory was like 12,000. There's no question Georgia was stolen. We've proven already now that Arizona was stolen. The, the Senate, using my reports as kind of the template for what they did, did a forensic audit. They found alone just 50,000 or more what we call ghost voters in Maricopa County alone. Ghost voters are somebody who sends an absentee ballot in from an address and they don't live there, right? That's how Kennedy stole the election from Nixon um, in 1960. It was through ghost voters. So we know.
2: this i think this is very important some states have tried to take action on those loopholes as you as you point them out to what degree do you feel like they have satisfied uh the system systematic problems to eliminate them in elections going forward and would be at georgia or wisconsin or arizona have they have they addressed the issue
0: no a, a georgia passed passed a a, a lukewarm bill that got branded as Jim Crow. I mean, it's like, you can't even like do something like a a half measure that gets at legitimate issues and not have people's heads explode. I mean, the problem we've got um is the rhino republicans because five out of the six battleground states actually have republican controlled legislatures right but these these rhinos here's the split here's what's so fascinating again in trump Time book talks about the difference between kind of the, the traditional republicans mitch mcconnell kevin mccarthy um versus uh the trump republicans and, and here it is it's like both both kinds of republicans support deregulation and tax cuts right but the the mcconnell traditional republicans love to offshore our jobs you know because the corporations who pay their bills um love to do so they send our jobs offshore to china never mind about fragile supply chains now where we can't get anything in oh that that yeah that's the way to go whereas trump and i was the guy in the white house who was like tip of the spear on this no 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 no. it's like fair trade number one strategic energy dominance number two buy american hire american number three right here and never the twain shall meet so you got like you know like in i mean arizona you got this guy ducey is a republican governor he's standing in the way of any kind of reform in georgia you got kemp as the governor and raffensburg as the secretary of state they're you know they're they're supporting delta and coca-cola rather than uh the deplorables you know who breathe through their mouths it's like it's just it's one of the you you remember the old uh phrase like uh personnel is policy right yeah well but in, in in this book it's bad personnel equals bad policy equals bad politics yeah and and that's the problem we've got too many people in power and they were so a lot of them were within the white house and i call them out uh including pence uh at the end um for basically pursuing kind of the Koch brothers globalist traditional mcconnell type republicanism rather than supporting blue collar america main street america and and fauci weaves throughout the whole in trump time book well, because he not only created that virus and i make that case unequivocally he covered everything up with the biggest lie of omission imaginable
2: well i'm glad you went there because that's what my final set of questions uh, deal with and that is in the last weekend at the time of, of our having this conversation it's just been revealed by the nih that they uh, have confirmed that Dr. Fauci lied when he was before the United States Senate he they they uh, unequivocally say that uh, Dr. Fauci did authorize payment to the Wuhan lab that was used for gain-of-function research and then we found out these other weird kind of off the beaten trail stories you know putting beagles in cages and letting insects eat their faces raw and strange things like that but How do we how are we still burdened with this person who is the highest paid public servant (laughs) in America? Yeah. Uh, Why can't we get rid of him? It seems like he has been a disaster.
0: Well, uh, I'm coming at him head on with the In Trump Time book. Um, He's General Koster. I'm coming at a head on. Sherry Markson has a book called What Happened in Wuhan and on the left literally flanked Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is coming at Fauci from a from a tales in the tales of the inner bureaucracy. But here's the thing. It's like I was the only guy in the White House who took on Fauci. I don't know if you remember this, but nobody else would would stand up to him. And every time I did, I was right and he was wrong. Uh, and uh the the first time i met him it's a beautiful scene in the in trump time book it's in the situation room it's chapter two and i'm in there so to support the president's travel ban and bring the coronavirus task force on board they were not and so i go in there and you know mulvaney's there azar's there redfield of the ccc there pompeo's guys at my left shoulder know all these guys i know i'm gonna have to fight them there's this little guy with his little round glass and sitting across and two minutes in it's like I'm in a violent argument with this guy and I go dude it's like and I said to him dude he's like what do you mean travel bans don't work and 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 I'm saying it's like you mean if like 20,000 people are coming in every day to LAX and Kennedy and O'Hare and they're from Wuhan and they're bringing the virus and we shouldn't and he's just travel bans don't work I didn't know that this guy walked on water. I didn't know he was like king of of TV or whatever. I just looked at him and I thought, this guy thinks he's smarter than he is, number one. Number two, he is gonna hurt the president and this country. And ironically, on that very same day, January 28th, and this is the report, he received an email from a guy at Scripps Institute that told Fauci flat out that that virus was likely genetically engineered. Now, at that point, At that point, Kevin, Fauci knew this, the following. He knew that the virus came from Wuhan within 100 or so yards of the Wuhan lab, right? He knew that he had funded the lab. He knew that he had supported gain of function experiments, which take a benign bat virus and turn it into a human killer. He knew all of that. And he was told that the virus was genetically engineered that was coming out. He knew all of that and he not only did not tell me or the president or the task force he then launched a cover-up with Dasick, the same guy at scripps and others to make it seem like it came from nature and he spent months basically portraying himself as a hero on television while millions of people were dying because he did not come clean at the outset if i had known what i know now i could have saved th- the hundreds of thousands of american lives we would have had a totally different strategy and that's fauci's lie the lie he told the rand paul should put him in an orange jumpsuit but the real lie the real lie in trump time is his lie of omission what he didn't tell us
2: all right peter navarro the book is in trump time a journal of america's plague year uh thank you for your service to the uh, president thank you for your time in washington Thank you for helping us think through what uh, 2022 is going to look like economically. I'm telling you, we're going to have more conversations because we're going to need some really clear thinking to get us uh, through these days ahead. But congrats on all your success, sir. Thanks so much. Thanks for the time. You take care. Kevin McCullough, we're coming right back. Stay here. Gentlemen, what a treat we have for you tonight. It is brand new from one of the world's most recognized recording stars. Here's Adele. Go easy on it. She will be back at the end of hour two with a classic once again. McCullough, hour number two. Video Night Live straight ahead.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: From New York, it's Green
3: Kevin McCullough. Wait, who? Kevin McCullough. Let me start with you. Huh? The big dog, Kevin McCullough. Who? Kevin McCullough. Uh, no. Who? Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. Who? Kevin
0: McCullough. Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No he Can't. You have no, extreme media. Oh.
2: All right, uh, we've got a big hour, uh, number two hour coming up. If you missed our number one with uh, Peter Navarro, you want to go back and get the podcast. You can stream it from Twitter or YouTube. You can go and get the audio podcast from any of your favorite services, Audible, Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast. We are everywhere with the podcast, and that's why uh, we're very excited. We're going to be... uh, at the uh, at, at a whole new record level of uh, people that have ex- accessed our stuff on demand this year, and thank you to those of you that choose to uh, to do it that way. It helps us. It helps me understand how important uh, what we're doing is. Coming up this hour, of course, it is the ladies' lounge, and uh, we are going to uh, welcome uh, not only uh, Adele back at the end of this hour with uh, another uh, great, great song once again. Uh, but we are also going to uh, welcome back Molly Hemingway, uh, one of the senior editors at the Federalist uh, for all the good that she does. Uh, she has just released this brand new book called Rigged, and it is the definitive work on what happened in 2020. Uh, just exactly how out of uh, whack the elections were. You're not going crazy. Uh, you, you don't need to be gaslit. Uh, you actually did have concerns about the election. A lot of people did. That's okay. Uh, Rigged is the story of what happened there, and Molly Hemingway is going to spend some time with us to uh, tell us all about it tonight, so I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for the uh, for those of you that have over the last number of months helped us liberate women who are in slavery in northern Sudan, women that were taking the hostage during the Sudanese Civil War, women that have lived with uh, complete and abject uh, degradation being visited upon them. Um, uh, Horrific things. One woman had her tongue nailed to a tree because she said something that her slave master did not approve of. Another, uh, well, most of them, have experienced some form of uh, physical assault, sexual assault, rape, uh, etc., by their slave masters. Their slave masters are hardened radical Islamists. These women are Christians. They were taken during the uh, conflict between the North and the South in Sudan. And when the world settled the Sudanese civil war, they did not uh, take care of the slaves. And so there was a uh, there, there was a and so in the process of all that, uh, they have um, uh, tried to. Um, Well, CSI, our friends at Christian Solidarity International, have done everything they can to try to liberate these women who are caught in this slavery. At the beginning of the year, back in February, I told you we were going to try to uh, help 192 of them find freedom. Uh, Last couple of weeks, we've kind of uh, leveled off a little bit, and I'm concerned about this, because if we're going to give them their freedom all before Christmas of this year, that means we need to have um, quite a few each week that are finding uh, liberation, and uh, we have 46 to go so that means that by the way you've helped us uh, liberate 146 already thank you for uh, that uh, amazing generosity but it, i would be remiss to say that if we are if we are not uh, diligent right now uh, we could end up having to leave uh, one or more of those women behind and i don't want to do that i don't want to leave any of them in slavery particularly when we know that the negotiation has already been done and and really all that's necessary for them to have their release is to have uh their bag of hope and the thing that they need to start their new life with what is that cav you ask well it's very simple the bag of hope is really a, a toolkit of everything they need to start life under uh, their own um, uh, determination and power when they come back to Sudan, It uh, involves uh, sleeping materials, gardening materials, cooking materials, uh, enough food to feed for the first full year of freedom, and another other of seed to help them plant and grow sorghum for the following season so that they have a food supply ongoing. One of the special things about what they get with that bag of hope is a little sh- little she goat is actually a micro enterprise for them. It will allow them to uh, have milk and cheese sell. It will allow them to breed other goats and have means of income uh, to provide for uh, for themselves and for their children if they have, uh, and hopefully start their life completely, uh, um, completely anew all over again. Some of you have given very, very generously this year, and some of you are still waiting. Let me let me give you one additional reason why you should give tonight. If you do give tonight. be a private donor that has expressed to csi his intention to do this. he will match every slave we liberating 888-342-1010 it's match night every slave we set free and a very generous person is setting one free uh, completely of their uh, of their own uh, vol- uh 888-342-1010 and i'm very grateful for this person because what it means is it means that we can and right now liberate twice as many so of 46 we had all 46 rated in the next hour uh, by the end of the evening, which actually liberate an additional 92 from where we are right now, and that would be just a tremendous, a tremendous help. Uh, there are probably, by estimate, about 35 to 40,000 women still left in slavery, and with everything we can every year. In fact, generosity in years have helped us. Just at the video show, just a broadcast on Saturday night. We have helped liberate more than a thousand human beings from slavery in our efforts year after year. And some of you started giving the first month we started doing this and I'm not saying you and you've said you're not going to till every last slave is free. Very grateful for the generosity of you that take it so seriously. Just so you know, my staff, uh, Nick and I, Ivan, they have both, the families have both uh, liberated more than just a single slave this year uh, individually. And the McCullough family uh, we're, we're challenging friends of ours and others to come forward but uh, we, we've made a commitment to liberate 10 slaves this year uh, and we are doing it on a monthly basis uh, every month we're liberating another slave that's what our budget allows that's what we can do that's what we want to do because we want to we want to give back and make sure that, uh, that, that we're doing what we can to make this world a more just and fair place so having said all of that the phone lines are open right now the match is underway 888 888- 888 342 1010 is the number. 888 342 1010. Please. Do We're into the stretch. This is kind of the Christmas stretch. This is where we usually have a big push, and we've had just kind of a slow start. So I'm hoping that we'll have uh, uh, some real generous people come through tonight and say, yeah, we're going to get all 46 of those remaining slaves liberated. Uh, we, we, the, the process to get one liberated is very detailed. Uh, it, it involves an underground railroad, so to speak, and a negotiation with the slave master. And all of that takes time to do. When we have the list of names of the slaves that we know we can liberate, then the, the, the crush is on. We want to get it done before anybody changes their mind. So please, please, please help and assist us liberating slaves tonight for every life we set free this evening someone else will come along and, and set another additional person free uh, from their own generosity. And we're so grateful for that. Now, Rookley, really, I just want to hit another news headline. Uh, Cole Maliatakis is a congresswoman from Staten Island who serves in Washington. Uh, she posted on Twitter and on Instagram that as of 7.30 this morning, 26 FDNY companies are closed, including five in her district in Staten Island and South Brooklyn. That means if someone dies because of a slower response from the fire department, that the um, Bill de Blasio mandate. And this this is the reason why they're closed tonight, because Bill de Blasio said as of midnight last night, if uh, people had not been vaccinated, he was going to kick them off the, uh, the force. And so they're locking up firehouses and police stations right now because of these absurd mandates friends. This is the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be honoring our first responders who have who have served us so well over the last year in the midst of all of this pandemic and madness. But instead, Joe Biden, Bill de Blasio, some overreaching governors like Gavin Newsom and uh, Governor Hochul in New York and Governor Murphy in New Jersey, they're all doing what they can uh, to still uh, force these first responders into a manipulated response. I can't tell you to get the vaccine. I had COVID, I recovered, I got the first shot of the Pfizer because my doctor and I talked about it and we decided it was the best thing to do for me. I can't tell you to do that. No one else can tell you to do that either. That should be a private decision between you and your doctor. But not allowing these people to serve in their public capacity is putting people at risk. And that's why we need to think differently about those mandates. And I sure hope that Governor or Mayor de Blasio comes to his mind because uh, they this would mean bad things for people that uh, were in very um, tough circumstances in the city uh, tonight. So I'm hopeful, I'm ho- hopeful, prayerful, hopeful that um, we will get that, that taken care of. All right, 888 31010 if you want to help liberate a Slave Night and have it matched. 88342 to 10 Kevin McCullough, the ladies' lounge is open. Molly Hemingway, our next guy. Stay with us. Kala, you know that uh, there are a handful of us in an America Day that I that I uh, strongly endorse without almost any hesitation ever because of due diligence that they put forward in everything that they write. And throughout the Trump administration, uh, there were three main voices that I regularly encourage you to read. And my next guest was uh, top of the list among them. Uh, Molly Ming Wei is one of the uh, executive editorial uh, senior people at The Federalist. And in her position, there she continues to mentor young writers and uh, others that are breaking into the journalism field, uh, with uh, not just a, a great example of her own writing and reporting skills, but actively helping them do a better job as we go along. And she's also a bestselling author. You see her all over Fox News. Uh, her uh, book that she co-wrote on the Kavanaugh uh, nomination was the in my estimate, the historical record of what happened and i'm thinking that her new book is a, a kind of silly take a very uh, his, uh, historic and important precedent on the elections of 2020 holly hemingway welcome back to kevin McCullough. great to have you it's great to be here with you um okay so there's a lot that we obviously didn't know about the elections on the day that they happened however We are now coming to the first three very important election cycles. And not everyone thinks the 2021 election cycle is important because it's just a couple of gubernatorial uh, spots and a a big mayoral race in New York that are the main things that are on the menu. But even in Virginia and and New Jersey, you're talking about significant um, uh, impact from this election. Phil Murphy has just been outed by Project Veritas as someone who's going to go California style in the mandates beyond the election. So getting election integrity even into this election cycle for people in the Garden State and for people in the Commonwealth of Virginia are very important. So Molly, um, with that as the backdrop, why did you decide to take on the historical account of what happened in 2020?
3: Mostly I wanted to report and research what happened in 2020 because there was this idea that you weren't allowed to talk about it at all. Even though the 2020 2020- Election that we all lived through was unquestionably the weirdest election we ever uh, we ever experienced. Whether that was because of the change of our media from being nearly biased Republicans, which they had been for decades, into just spewing outright propaganda and making up fake news, or whether it was the tech censorship that was unlike anything we've experienced in this country with the. You know, refusal of people to allow certain discussions to take place, important news stories, you know, polling, which had been bad in 2016, got even worse in 2020. And then the things that were very specific to the election administration itself, we changed hundreds of rules and laws about voting. Frequently, not legally changing. You're supposed to go through this. State legislature, according to the U.S. Constitution, sometimes that happened. A lot of times, the scrutiny for those ballots. And then, as I report, also the most explosive thing I think in my book is how Mark Zuckerberg, one of the world's wealthiest and most powerful men, spent effort on election administration that the U.S. government did, enabling a takeover of government election offices by left-wing groups to handle everything from voter registrations to voting and for things. It needed to be, you know, people need to know what happened. They need to have rules in place so that they can feel confident in the, the elections. So I thought it was important to get it all there
2: Yeah, the book is called "Rigged: How the Media, Big Ten, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections." Uh, Molly Hemingway, the author, uh, is with us. Molly, l- let me break down some of what you because that that is that is a complete um, uh, shell of what happened in 2020. But the average voter didn't. Um, They they weren't able to put all those pieces together. And even as we got towards inauguration day and President Trump had uh, not yet conceded and all the things that were going on, of course i feel like that january 6th has been completely manipulated by the uh, the news media as well in terms of the narrative of, of what has happened uh, in that situation but it was the end of November 3rd that set all of this in motion and one of the things that was troublesome to me in the aftermath was realizing what you just said to be true that there were actual laws that were changed in several places where it appeared like maybe republican legislators on the state level were just sleepwalking or not paying attention to uh, what the laws were going to be changed into the, 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 the elections people in their we were going to do it differently, that kind of circumvented the, the process. But in the states where, uh, where statutes were changed, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, a handful of others, these were significant enough to, to sway the election. And as you said, uh, it was kind of done under a tacit, well, it's legal, so we have to count it kind of process.
3: So I don't want to give the impression that Republicans did what was sufficient in 2020 because quite obviously they didn't, but it's also worth remembering that there was this incredible needed massively funded Democrat operations to make a mess of the election. And so Republicans were battling in every state. They were frequently winning the legal challenges. They were winning the legislative battles. They were, they had victory after victory, but not as many as they needed um, because that well-funded, highly-coordinated Democrat operation also had You take something like Pennsylvania, the legislature considered making some changes and declined to make those changes, and then they were included by the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, which is totally wrong. But the Republicans did appeal that to the United States Supreme Court. And that ends up being one of the big disputes on the court. Some justices say, we've got to resolve this issue. Others say, ah, you know, they, they just do that thing, not wanting to get involved. And so there are a lot of fodders to the failure of the 2020 election. And the court's refusal to address some of the law breaking that happened is definitely one of them.
2: Let's touch on one other aspect of this, which I think is almost almost as important all kind of simultaneously working together um and the the, um, the removing or the or the lessening of the scrutiny of this. we know this took place in places like Nevada and in Arizona but this probably allowed your estimation percentage of additional ballots to be counted that would not have been counted otherwise
1: so
3: burn balloting we all know or we all knew a couple years ago we all admitted is rough for fraud and so they tried to put, they used to try to put in place to decrease opportunities. for fraud. you know, if you're voting in person, show ID for who you are. Try and replicate that some fashion from the ballot. Uh, but because of those rules that are in place, you're not. You know, it's all happening in the privacy of the home. If it's it's happening legally, it's happening um, in worse ways. If it's happening fraudulently, there's a percentage that you expect to toss the first, time in particular that people do mail balloting, and we had zero ballot cost for failure to adhere to the law in 2020, which was, you know, extremely suspicious, but partly the result of changing all of these rules, but let just decrease the scrutiny for saying, like, okay, you have to have a signature, you have to sign and say nobody coerced you, you have to date it, you know, you have to have addresses that match.
2: Well, the fact that they didn't get even that much done, uh, Molly Hemingway tells us a great deal. Of everything else we to know, the book is called. Red. It's her new bestseller on the stolen election of 2020. Back with Molly Hay on Radio Nightlife. Um, uh, just disappointment with what happened in 20. Kind of hit a threshold in terms of like how the electorate views uh, the the chances that an election is going to be clean. I mean, people that I've known that have you know been big. Vo- advocates forever are saying well we're into venezuela oh, and i think at the end of the day that's the fear that this that this this group in particular that call that's in dc right now would really like, like to see us go down
3: oh i'm sure kevin that is actually what the whole book is about when, when people are reasonably feeling this way because they see that the establishment has rigged not just elections but the entire game you know if you're in a politically favored party You can break the law and get away with it if you're in a politically opposed party. Any slight change that can, you know, thing you can use against you and put you in jail. That is no way to have a republic going forward. People saw that the establishment was willing to lie, cheat, and steal throughout Trump presidency to uh, to constrain him and throw a temper tantrum back. That for once the establishment hadn't gotten to pick their candidate and. People experienced that it was pain they did was so horrible for the country. They're they're destroying the republic and more than just one day of the election. Yeah. About the entire election, the entire campaign, and the entire reaction to the people choosing being and a, and a policy approach that the establishment didn't condone.
2: It was kind of my impression that some of these um, things that they they pulled off in 2020 had probably been on the front burner or wish list to be implemented for probably decades in terms of the ideas, but they had not been able to do so. How much did COVID uh, allow 2020 to happen? And how do you see that playing uh, out in the 2022 or 2024 cycles?
3: Yeah, it was huge. You're absolutely correct that all of the changes that were implemented had been on the Democrat list decades they claimed that they needed to do these things for covid but in fact they were the same lawsuits they've been filing for years but because of covid you start seeing people being much more amenable to it there's a hysteria a media-enabled hysteria surrounding endemic that causes people to just welcome all sorts of changes that they never in their right minds would have allowed sometimes those changes are made permanently sometimes they're temporarily um, and it was a massive thing, whether, whether, and particularly as it relates to this mail-in balloting, which is so difficult to keep a good handle on.
2: Well, and, and, along those lines, uh, if we are going to see, uh, the country taken back, I personally think that, uh, Donald Trump, based on his performance in office, was on his way, the largest reelect margin of any, uh, you know, incumbent president in my lifetime. So that, you know, from Nixon forward, um, It's hard to know how many of those votes of the 85 million that Biden got were legit and weren't. Um, But it seems as though even when our team does what is right and has the right message and has the middle, the independence of the country coming to them, uh, the cheating was was just so on such a grand level that it was not able to be uh, kept up with. Do you think that Republicans are going to be ready for this fight next go around?
1: I,
3: don't know. I mean, they're, they're not as ready as they should be, but they're certainly putting a lot of effort and energy into it. Um, right now in Virginia, which is where I am, there's a gubernatorial race, which shouldn't be close because Virginia is a heavily Democrat state. It went 10 points for Joe Biden. And yet it's like a nail biter, even with the Democrats' advantage. And so it was just reported a couple hours ago that the Democrat candidate has brought in Mark Elias, who's the sort of dirty trickster Democrat attorney who made up the, who orchestrated the Russia collusion lie in 2016, and who coordinated all the changes to voting law to create this chaos and disorder in the 2020 election. I think it's fascinating, it's the same guy who did both operations. Um, he just announced that he's spending a lot of money on this guy in the closing days of the campaign. So people, people have to understand, this isn't just about
2: 2020, it's about all elections yeah. going forward and get smart. It's about America still being America and having an America to uh, to call America after all it's all done. The book is called "Rigged" it is number one on multiple Amazon lists as we speak. Lee Hemingway, always pleasure to have you with us Congrats on another great work, and uh, we look forward to much more from you in the days to come. And just real quickly, give give a give a little elevator pitch plug to all your hard workers at the Federalist. Uh, it really the most important web on the, on the net, and I want people to read it, I want them to be appreciative of what you're cultivating there.
3: Oh, thank you so much, because that is what I'm most proud of, and in fact, the book rigged came out supporting at the Federalist, which is on, you know, actual and in the election that were reportable and serious, and we have a great team that every day challenges the false narratives of our corporate media. You know they they wake up every day to fight whatever falsehood being parroted by these left-wing activists who pose as journalists and we have done great work on the russia collusion hoax the kavanaugh confirmation you know the current battle the issues and and i'm just proud as can be about them highly encourage everybody check every
2: day yeah it's one of my first stops before i do my show molly hemingway always appreciate you thanks for being all right kevin mccullough glad to be with you and uh, thank you for joining us every saturday night we're always trying to uh, not only uh, tell you what's going on in terms of what's breaking as news but then also help you to think it through what what does it mean why is it important how does it affect our lives is there anything significant about this story etc uh, and uh, grateful for molly hemingway grateful for the work that she's doing uh, to uh, alert the nation hey if, if you still want a free country You got to get involved and make sure that your elections have integrity to them. That's that's the lesson of 2020. It's uh, has nothing to do with January 6th or anything else. It is make sure that we get uh, honest elections going forward. Having said that, um, you know, there's a lot that when I'm trying to teach my kids about life that uh, they observe that I never have to say anything to them directly about. Uh, some of some of what we go over uh, in the house uh, regularly are things that they hear me discussing. And when they heard me talking about slaves in Sudan a couple of years ago, they began asking a lot of questions. Dad, how come there's slavery still in Sudan? What, why uh, are people allowed to own other human beings? How are people allowed to treat them so poorly uh, and get away with it? And we don't really shy away from answering the tough questions in the McCullough household. My lovely bride and I will take the ankle biters, we'll sit them down, we'll say, hey, let's talk about this. But we're always we're always insistent that we are going to uh, be truthful with them about that as we are going along. So when, when they first heard about the Sudan slave issue, they asked me that week, uh, dad, what are we gonna do about it? And so last year we made a decision that in this year, in 2021, we were gonna free one slave every month uh, for the year. And so we have been doing that this year. And when all is said and done, we will have freed, uh, liberated 10 total slaves in the McCullough House. And we're doing that in addition to other charitable giving and interests that we are involved in on a a number of different levels. It was just something that we felt like we needed to make a priority and allow to uh, become one of the more important things that is on our radar screen in terms of, of being a family. Now, I can't tell you to do the same thing, but I can tell you that for the last four years, those of you that have joined with us uh, have helped us liberate nearly 1,000 human beings from slavery. And that's a tremendous thing. We we think that there are about thirty to 35,000 slaves yet in northern Sudan. When the Civil War was completed, there were close to 200,000 that were still in. Kadea. But uh, we, we believe that the efforts of... Of Christian Solidarity International and people like you across the board have been involved in this uh, on, on a on a consistent uh, committed basis to the degree that we've been able to reach them, uh, to to this level. And as we are pressing forward uh, in the next to come, we, we looked at this year. we saw 192 names on the list, and we said, "Let's do it." Uh, but friends, we're we're 46 names away from having those complete. We're 40 names away from being able to have liberated everyone the list so what i'm asking for and i hope that you will join us tonight is that uh, you will yes uh, our family will will do one slave if kevin's family can do 10 if his uh staff are doing doing uh more slave in each of their households uh and uh there's there's uh, there's considerably more uh then then why can't we just do one and and friends it's nothing that we're asking you to do that we're not asking ourselves to do we're asking uh, those of you that uh, that have the uh, opportunity that have the ability that have the uh, the the wherewithal to do this to join it so here's what we need you to do Uh, tonight we've got a double incentive we are matching every slave that gets liberated tonight so if you can do uh, if you can liberate one slave a $25 a month gift for ten months or $50 a month for five months or $125 a gift a month uh, for two months Or a one-time gift of 250 if you can do that tonight every slave that we liberate tonight will be matched slave for slave so if we can if we liberate all 46 tonight we're actually liberating 92 because of the private donor and his generosity now what is the money going towards i know that people are always concerned about not wanting to give into a cycle that would be repetitive Uh, well this isn't buying slaves out of slavery this is liberating them through a um, through a negotiation that goes on with the slave masters in northern sudan the the gift primarily is used to supply what they need to live once they get back to south sudan so they have an an all night sometimes multiple day walk where they they travel at night um, for safety and other other purposes on foot back to south sudan when they get there uh, they are given an opportunity to uh, to recuperate and to have some time in a in a uh, uh, sort of Christian recovery camp. They have uh, psychologists, they have doctors, they have medical care, they have other things that help them. Then, before they are uh, assisted on the rest of their journey back to their home region of South Sudan, they are given the bag of hope. The bag of hope is literally a brand new life in one bag, and then some, because it doesn't all fit in the bag. But they have housing materials, they have sleeping materials, blankets and things to help keep them warm in the cold season. They have um, cooking utensils, they have gardening utensils, they have enough grain to feed them for a year, they have enough seed to then um, uh, plant and to feed themselves ongoing beyond that for the years to come. And then one of the most special things that they do is they give each slave a she-goat and these little she-goats uh, provide not only a form of micro enterprise where they can breed the, the goats and grow more goats and sell them, but they can also <clears throat> create milk and cheese that they need to, to use for themselves, but that they can also sell uh, in the market and in other ways to help provide. So what you're doing with your $250, you're not only liberating the slave, but you're giving them a, a head start on a brand new life. Everything they need. Uh, contained in that bag uh and then when they are then uh, given their bag and they have their little goat they are then assisted in finding where they need to go where their home region is when they arrive in these towns there is a celebration that goes on sometimes for weeks because a slave has come home a lost one has been returned uh, to their family to their friends to their village to their uh, to their region and it is a wonderful wonderful thing that you help make happen because of your generosity please join the makumling please join the radio nile family we are all in us we uh, we're going all to help uh, liberate these remaining 40 slaves in northern sudan we want to do it before christmas so please call number 8 Triple eight three four two ten beers genish can every dollar your night being matched dollar for dollar. Kevin McConnell stay with us a very special m- music selection to end from a dip. coming your way. To the rain.